Welcome to the Pursuing Life Podcast. I'm your host, Monica Kirsch. Each week, I'll be sitting down with people from the Calvary Church family to hear stories of what God is doing in, around, and through them as they take intentional steps to pursue life in Jesus Christ. We believe that storytelling is powerful. God has made himself known to us through the stories of the Bible. Jesus told parables or small stories to teach kingdom lessons to his followers. And God continues to write stories of his goodness and faithfulness through the lives and experiences of his church, ordinary people just like you and me. Today is another episode in our Meet Our Staff Monday series. Once a month, we'll be taking the opportunity to introduce you to one of our staff members who will give you a peek behind the scenes at the work they do at Calvary and share their story of finding life in Christ. The fingerprints of our staff are all over the ministry of Calvary Church, and some you may recognize more than others, but whether their work is front and center or behind the scenes, our hope for this series is that you'll get to know our staff and hear stories of God at work that you may not have the opportunity to hear otherwise. Today, we're privileged to chat with John Fry, who is Calvary's pastor of worship and care. Pastor John has been on staff for nearly 30 years. You probably know him as a worship leader and the director of the choir and orchestra, but I think through this conversation, you will learn things about him that will surprise you. Again, it's our hope that in hearing these stories of the work God has done in the lives of our staff, you'll gain a greater appreciation for both their roles here at Calvary and the power of our great God in their lives. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with John Fry. John Fry, welcome to the Pursuing Life podcast. Ah, thank you, Monica. Great to be with you this afternoon. I'm excited to get to know you a little bit better and for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. How long have you been at Calvary? Well, it will be 30 years come June, so oh I'm almost goodness. at 30 years. That's wow. right. That's wonderful. Congratulations. I feel well, like that deserves a congratulations. <laughs> Thanks very much. So you have seen a lot in 30 years, I'm sure. I, I have certainly seen a lot here at Calvary Church, and it's been a wonderful experience, I have to say. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your role, because it has changed a little bit over the past couple of years, mm. so I would love for you to just explain what you do here at Calvary. All right. Well, let, let me kind of go back to, you know, 30 years ago, I was in Georgia at the time and I got a call from Calvary Church. Would you be interested in coming as the worship leader of Calvary Church? Mm -hmm. So I interviewed and long story short, they brought me here to be the worship pastor. And I had my marching orders, as it were, to bring the church along from where they were and to meet up with the day and the music of the day and, and progress us along. Mm. And so I guess I was brought here to implement change actually yeah. at Calvary church. And, um, so that was the beginning of a process. And so we built the choir up, we added orchestra, we started a children's choir program and then ensembles after that. So, and musical drama as that became in vogue in the middle part of my ministry. Yeah. So anyway, so that's what, I had been about. And then, of course, I was uh, part of the process to to design the 
music area mm-hmm. here at Calvary and the auditorium, the stage area in particular. Yep. So anyway, I had a, a lot of great moments where, you know, it was it really involved with what was going on. And then in recent years, now we've been here now over 20 years here at this facility. Yeah. And so I started talking with the leadership at Calvary, you know, I'm getting older now and I'm looking ahead to retirement and maybe we should come up with a plan of, you know, what that's going to look like. And right. so as part of that process, we started looking for somebody to take my place. And of course, that's Dave Ross, who is now the uh, worship pastor of Calvary Church. And after all these years, now I have a new boss, which is kind of interesting. I bet. Uh, and so, I mean, it's, it's been great for us to work together and to have a new role now. And I have actually decreased... Uh, my time. So mm-hmm. I'm now working four days a week okay. instead of full time. And uh, that will decrease some more in the years ahead. So anyway, that's just a, a background of kind of where where we've been and where we got to for today. And then my primary role right now is to work with choir and orchestra and be part of the the planning process as we plan uh, worship services from week to week. And then another dimension of my role is pastoral care, which I actually began several years ago, but it has increased now so that I'm one day a week, I'm doing pastoral care. And of course, I assist with funerals primarily and working with families as they go through the the grief process. And so sometimes I'm presiding over a funeral and sometimes I'm playing music and working with other pastors from the staff. But anyway, so that's that's kind of what I'm doing now. That's kind of a long answer to your (laughs) short question there. That's okay. Uh, It sounds like there's been a lot of... um, change over the years as everything has changed around you your role has sort of shifted with it which I think is special and unique in a lot of ways as well yes exactly that is true yeah so tell me my first question is you said that you started pastoral care a couple years ago how did that process start to have you sort of kind of a part of the pastoral care team now well back when pastor Dave was here he was doing primarily pastoral care every day. And then when he went off staff and retired, then we came up with the idea that we'll have someone assigned to a different day of the week. Gotcha. And so at that time, I took over Tuesday. Mm. And of course, at the time, you know, we were visiting the hospital every week and nursing homes and rehab centers. And then, of course, with COVID, everything shut down. And so over the last couple of years, it's basically, it's been telephone calls. which is not near as personal. You know, I really prefer being able to see people face to face. But anyway, that's what we've been doing now. So I continue on Tuesday to reach out to people, uh, those in the hospital or people that are on kind of long-term care at Calvary that just need someone to reach into their life, you know, with some consistency. Yeah. Yeah. What has been the most rewarding part of that? Well, the thing that I've noticed about people when they're when they're either going through severe times of physical suffering or at a time when when loved ones in their family are real sick and it's inevitable that they're going to pass away and go to be with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I've um, heard from folks over and over is I, I can't really explain this, but God has given me this peace that what I'm going through, he's there with me. It's a peace that passes understanding. Yeah. And we hear about that, but it's one thing to 
hear about it, and it's another thing to walk through it. And so it's been an inspiration and a testimony to me when I see our church members walking through deep waters, and they express their faith, and and that God has given them supernatural peace just when they need it. Yeah. You know? So anyway, so I think that's probably one of the most rewarding things that I've, I've seen in pastoral care is just people's lives in their testimony and their faith in God. Yeah. And you get to use your musical gifts in that too, which is very special. And there's that's, an overlap in that oftentimes, especially when you're presiding over funerals to be able to speak and interact with the families and to play music and, and yeah. to have that sort of special combination is very unique and I think really, really meaningful to a lot of families. I know it's meaningful to me and I I certainly want to um, be a help to them at a time, you know, of of need in their own life. Yeah. 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 Let's talk about music. Okay. Tell me how you became interested in music. How did that whole thing start in your life? (laughs) Well, I will tell you, this is uh, revealing into my very young life. I when I was just a little guy, I, I remember sitting on the edge of my bed and pretending that that was a keyboard. Oh, my goodness. And I would just play on the edge of the mattress, you know. Aww. And then I remember also taking old newspapers and folding them into a fan shape and pretending that I was playing an accordion. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and then here's another one. This is really strange, but I'm... Um, you know, pe- what uh, guys do with Tinker Toys. Well, they, wh- what I did was build a bassoon out of Tinker Toys. Oh and my then I, I pretended that I was playing the bassoon. So anyway, wow. I guess you would say that music is kind of just was part of my DNA from the very beginning. Yeah. But it, it really wasn't until the third grade that, that I actually started taking piano lessons. And so I was eight at the time. And on my birthday, I'm going to be 68 in May. So for 60 years wow. now, I have been playing piano in various you know, settings. But anyway, yeah. so, so I, you know, it, when I was in college. I went to Columbia Bible College and took all the music that they had to offer at the school. They didn't really have a music degree. So right. I have a Christian education degree. But then after that, I went to the University of South Carolina okay. and studied music. So okay. that's kind of my background is Christian ed and, and music. And, and And piano, of course, was my focus, but I've really spent most of my career leading choirs Mm -hmm. and working with vocal music and and instrumental music through the orchestra. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What made you decide to go into music ministry? Well, this is a good question because that kind of, I have to go back into my story a little bit about how I I came to know the Lord. Um, So my my dad was a pastor in the state of Maine. Let me just say, too, uh, my family is from Maine. Okay. My mom and my dad lived in coastal towns in Maine. And so when I was in the third grade, we moved from Maine to South Carolina. Okay. And and that's when I started taking piano. But so I, you know, I was raised in Columbia, South Carolina and went to high school there and then also to Columbia Bible College, which is in town. And then I went on to the university after that and, and studied music. And then when I graduated, it, it really wasn't clear to me, you know, where I was going to go. I, as a 13-year-old, I had dedicated my life to God for Christian service. I was at a Christian camp and and 
I just felt God calling me to go into ministry, and I didn't know what that was going to look like. Wow. And even after all the music that I'd done in college and, and finishing, I, I wasn't still sure what I was going to do for ministry. And then I got a call from a church in Virginia one day, and they were looking for someone to do youth work and music. And and I thought, you know, and by then Vicki and I were married, and, and so I thought, yeah, I probably could do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just hadn't really dawned on me that maybe I was going to be a, a church musician. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway, then, so that was our first ministry, and and then we went to North Carolina after that, and I also did youth work and music there, and then we moved on to, to Georgia, and I had a role as an assistant musician in a large worship department in Marietta, Georgia, which is a suburb of Atlanta. So okay. so anyway, by then it had really become clear to me that, you know, music ministry was going to be where I you know, felt God's calling in my life. And I'd had success with that. And, and along the way he had, you know, he affirmed that to me yeah. and gave me opportunities. And, and then I got a call from Calvary church. So, and so anyway, so here we are. Yeah. So that <laughs> calling at 13 has manifested itself in all kinds of different ways and has yeah. led you to music ministry. That's right. That's why I always love it when our young people go on retreats here yeah. because, you know, you think maybe that's too young for someone to really feel God's call in their life, but it's just not, you know, if when you know that this is what God wants you to do, it's, you know, it's, it's clear. And when you look, the thing that's cool about it is when you go through tough times in ministry, which you do, mm-hmm. um, to know that God had a call on your life and you can look back to a specific time and say, okay, I'm just going through a rough patch right now, but really this is what, what God has for me to do. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. You mentioned Vicki. Can you tell us how you met Vicki? Yeah, sure. (laughs) I remember the very first time I ever saw her. She loves this story because um, (laughs) at Columbia Bible College, the the queue line for the cafeteria Uh was right outside of the boys' dormitory. And it just happened that my window overlooked the line. And (laughs) so anyway, so it was second semester of my sophomore year. And, you know, I looked out the window and I saw this girl that I hadn't, <laughs> had never seen before. And, and she, well, she gets a kick out of the fact that I still remember what she had oh, on that day. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, I mean, it, you know, anyway, so that was the, you know, the first time I saw her and we just became friends. We'd get together at breakfast time and have coffee together and breakfast and she would, you know, we'd go over our notes together and uh, she would say, hey, I think this is going to be on the test and help me out, you know, with, yeah. you know, studying and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 And so that was, we graduated from there in 1976, which was bicentennial year. Mm. And then I went to the university and then we got married in 77. Wow. Um, so then we were in these three different churches before we before we came here to yeah. Lancaster County, which was in 1992. Wow. Mm-hmm. So she's been with you in ministry the whole time. The whole time. And we were in college ensemble together. So okay. we traveled on the weekends together and spent a lot of time together. So, you know, at first we were not a dating couple, you right. know, we were just friends right. and then that grew and, and, you know, so it's how the Lord led us. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Oh, I love that story. That's so fun. <laughs> I'm going to ask Vicki about that next time I see her. <laughs> oh yeah. There's 
there's a lot more we could say about that, but we don't have time now. <laughs> I'm excited to hear her side of that story too. I bet that's a good one. Uh, it is. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. So let's back up even further. Yeah. You talked a little bit about growing up um, in Maine, moving to South Carolina. Tell me a little bit more about your childhood and your family and what that was like growing up and how that has impacted your life. Well, um, as I said, my dad was a pastor in Maine. The churches in Maine are very small. Mm. And so he was what they call a circuit pastor. So he had three churches. Wow. And so Sunday morning, he would be in one community Sunday night in another community and Wednesday night in another community. Wow. And so he had to drive a good bit. And, and then later... Later, we, we, he had a church and we just settled into life in this one town. And at the time I was five years old and he, he was, I went to church with him on Sunday night and he was preaching a gospel message from John three sixteen And, Mm -hmm. and I, as a five-year-old, you know, when I got home from church that night and I, you know, I, I said, I want to ask Jesus in my heart, you know, Mm -hmm. so my, my mom and my dad prayed with me. And so, and then in the years that followed that, my, my mom's health got bad and she kept getting pneumonia. And the doctor mm-hmm. said, you, you need to move to a warmer climate. So okay. her roommate from Columbia Bible College helped her find a job. And my dad find a job in Columbia, South Carolina, working wow. at a Christian school. And so that's when we moved. We moved down there for them to work. And then the the other thing that that happened in in the middle of my high school years, uh, when I was between my junior and my senior year of high school, my dad he was diagnosed with liver cancer, pancreas and liver cancer, and back in those days, I mean it's it's always a bad kind of cancer. But by the time that they found out that he had it, he only lived six weeks after that. Oh so, my goodness! So you know, as a as a high school kid, you know, you're faced all of a sudden, you know, and I had a younger brother and sister at home. And so you're faced with, you know, just severe trauma in your life. And so it was during that time that, that God taught me about his peace, which I referred to just a a little bit before, but so. Yeah. (laughs) How, because at that point you already had been very musical. How did music help you through that? Well, in high school, I started you know, playing piano in my mm-hmm. home church. Okay. And, and so of course, you know, we, you know, so I learned, learned how to play out of the hymn book, you mm-hmm. know? And so, so when it came a time like that in our family, you know, God used a, a song, one, a hymn tune, like a river glorious to speak to me and to help me through a difficult time. Um, the chorus of that says, stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed finding, as he promised, perfect peace and rest. Mm. So as a 16-year-old, I really needed God's help and I needed peace in my life. And so yeah. my music, you know, ministered to me. Yeah. Wow. So later on in life, you became a minister of music. That's and right. I'm sure you had to lead that song many times. Right. Is that still something that when you, when you go back to that song, you're like, yeah, wow, that was, that was like a song that was very pivotal in, in my life. And has that like continued to impact you? Yeah, absolutely. It has. And you know, a lot of times when, when we would be doing hymn sings and people would call out their favorite song, you know, and, and they would, someone would request like a river glorious. And so I was able to just stop for a moment and tell people what that 
song meant to me. Yeah. And then there's another song that also talks about God's peace. It's called Wonderful Peace. I was just going to read a little bit of this. Yeah, it says, um, far away in the depths of my spirit tonight. Now, I, let me pause for a moment. I'm thinking that the guy who wrote this was in this state of contemplation. Mm. And he was thinking about, well, what is God's peace and what does that mean to me? So he says, far away in the depths of my spirit tonight rolls a melody sweeter than psalm. In celestial-like strains, it unceasingly falls or my soul like an infinite calm. Peace, peace, wonderful peace, coming down from the Father above, Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love. (laughs) Very flowery language, you know, but the heart of a poet and Mm -hmm. the heart of someone who is really experiencing God's peace and contemplating on it. What does that mean? So, so Monica, I have, I have over the years, these two songs, you know, I had put these two together um, yeah. and made them into a piano arrangement. And so I you know, often play these. If I'm playing music for a funeral during the prelude time, I'll, I'll play these two songs. So anyway, I thought maybe, maybe I would play these if that's okay. That would be lovely. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, I'm getting tangled up in the cord here. <laughs> <laughs>
John, that was beautiful. Oh, thank you, Monica. You know, the isn't it neat how the the melody line of that just I think it just speaks peace. And then the way that I arrange the like a river glorious, the the left hand has a lot of movement in it. Yeah. And so and that was on purpose because that is to represent the river. You yeah. know, like a river glorious is God's perfect peace. That's how verse one starts. And so kind of picked up on that river theme, you know, for the accompaniment for the melody line there. Yeah, I was gonna say it sounded like rippling water to me, yeah. which is so peaceful. Yes, and so yeah, I, man, what, what a privilege it must be to take that piece of music that has meant so much to you and to be able to now play it for other people and at funerals. Yes. And is is that a crazy feeling for you? How 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 does that feel? Well, I don't know. I guess I don't think about okay. it a lot. You know, it's just that, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be of service if I can to people, yeah. I guess that's it. And yeah. so, you know, music, you know, speaks to me yeah. and, you know, and I hope that in my presenting of music and playing music that I'm able to pass that along to other people. You yeah, know, so. yeah, absolutely. Do you have anybody in particular that you would say is a major musical influence for you? I well, I know that when I was in at Columbia Bible College, the Bill Suplee was the guy that led our choir there okay. and was the head of the music department. He also was the music director at my home church. And so okay. when I was coming through school, you know, and, you know, bless his heart, he he allowed me to play piano on Sunday night for church. And so he'd, you know, call me on Sunday afternoon and say, these are the hymns that you're going to do tonight, you know, and so I'd practice like a crazy person all afternoon, yeah. you know, because they would be songs maybe that I had never played before. Yeah. And so mistakes and all, you know, he's very gracious to me. And yeah. so I knew him during high school. And then when I got to college, of course, you know, our, our relationship uh, developed more. And so certainly from a choral standpoint, he had an impact on me. And because I took piano, I took improvisation, him, him improvisation from him. Interesting. And so, and I did that as a, a junior and a senior in high school school. So when I got to, to college, you know, then, you know, so then I knew him on a different level, but he, yeah. he definitely, you know, definitely had an impact in my life. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's wonderful. And, and even to see the hand that he had in introducing you to some of those hymns that meant so much to you, I think is incredible too. Yep. God always puts people in our lives very intentionally. Yes. And I, yeah, I just appreciate that as I'm hearing your story. Yeah. Yeah. Let's transition a little bit here. We're sitting in your office and I'm seeing all of these photos of your family. Can you talk a little bit about your family and tell us about them? Sure. So I already, already mentioned your, my wife, Vicki. Yeah. And so we were married in 77. So, you know, so 40 some years that we've been married. And so when we came to town in 1992, our daughter, uh, Hannah, was in the eighth grade and okay. Josh, our son, was in the fourth grade. And okay. so Hannah went into the middle school at Mannheim Township and Josh went into Nitrauer. So we were very much a part of this community and we live here and just a few miles from the church. So, yeah. you know, we're very much plugged into Mannheim Township. And so Hannah went to, to PBU, mm -hmm. uh, which is now Cairn University and graduated from there. And then my son uh, has a business degree from Millersville. Okay. So they went to, you know, college 
college locally as well. And so uh, both of them are married and both of them have three children. So we have six grandchildren. So the, the oldest one is a junior at Mannheim Township this year. And the youngest one is in the first grade wow. and they're all two grades apart. So it's very convenient. Oh so it's nice to, to do that for the grandparents so we can keep up with <laughs> <laughs> what grade everybody's in. So anyway, this year they're all in the odd numbers. So we have first, third, fifth, seventh, ninth, and 11th. Wow. Okay. So next year they'll all be on the even numbers. So I, I, I like that because at least I can keep up with it. Yes. <laughs> yes. And one of your granddaughters just got baptized and you got to be a part of that house special was that? That that was an amazing time and we had 26 of our family and friends that were here to witness Hope's baptism and so it was just a wonderful time. It was a great time to be together as a family and of course when she asked if I would be in the water with her, well you know that makes a grandpa's chest rise high, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, it was a very special day so it was great to be a part of it. Yeah, it was beautiful to watch for sure. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So tell me, we've talked a lot about your background and your history. Let's shift to right now. Tell me something that God is teaching you today in this very moment in March of 2022. Well, I think the thing that's on my mind the most right now is is to finish well. Mm. Um, because I'm at the point of my life, you know, I look back on this wonderful career that God has given me as a minister in his church. And, you know, you, then you look ahead to, well, what are the years going to be like, yeah. you know? And so as I'm now my schedule is becoming less and that will, you know, eventually at some time I'll probably go down to half time and then, right. then I'll retire fully. So I'm not exactly sure when that's going to happen, but you know, it's going to be sometime soon. So anyway, just to, to, to see God's hand of blessing in my life and that, that I just finished the race here and, and, you know, hopefully he'll have other things for me to do as I age, you know, but yeah. at least as far as my professional career is concerned. And and I do think that the transition here at Calvary Church has, you know, been a big part of that for um, me to to be able to work with Dave Ross and see him be, become the worship pastor yeah. and to work with the wonderful music staff that we have here and our tech team. And so just to be part of that. And I kind of see myself, Monica, as a, a kind of a stand in the gap person right now, because mm-hmm. there are there are, you know, people in our congregation that sometimes, you know, the 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 music that we're doing and the feel of our worship services is different from what certainly how they grew up. And sometimes they're not always sure that they understand what's going on. And for me to be able to speak into that a little bit, that really the, the church, not just Calvary church, but the church of God has always been in a state of change and we're, and it's happened from the beginning of time. And so we, we have to fit in with what has come before church history, where the churches come from and then where God has taken it. And it always, you know, and then culture also comes into play there. And so in our culture, everything is changing so fast. You know, you can just you can just hardly, you can hardly keep up with it. I, yeah. I like to joke and, you know, say the, the VCR came and went <laughs> at my house and I never learned how to program it, you know? <laughs> so, um, of course, I have to, you know, have to say, well, Vicki, 
was has always been very techy, and so she knew how to do it. And so I thought, well, there's no point in both of us knowing how to do oh, that. So anyway, so I never did learn how to program the VCR. But then yeah. I'm not really a button pusher anyway. But you know, it. I still. All that said, you know, you still have. You can't just divorce yourself from what's going on in culture. Right. So you know, I have to try to try to keep up, and so try to help help the 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 older folks and I am now in that category myself you know help help us understand where we've come from and the importance of of the church continuing to move on because right. if 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 it doesn't adapt and change with culture then it's going to become obsolete and right. so anyway and then I have the privilege of being able to work with younger people like yourself yes. um, you know that are you know are are really stepping up to the plate and you know coming into your own and and grabbing onto ministry yeah. and helping the church, you know, be the church of today. And so anyway, I just am in a unique position right now where I get to see, you know, kind of both sides of that coin. And I'm just asking God to help me, you know, to be able to be the person he, he wants me to be in all of that, mm-hmm. you know, and to be able to relate. And so anyway, so finishing yeah. well, I guess, is what's on, on my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And that is such an important role because I think even for my generation, I think of how much has changed even in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I look back on, you know, a very small portion of my life and I say, oh my goodness, nothing is the same. So to experience that so rapidly and then to also, for for those who are a step beyond me, to be experiencing it on an even larger scale, if it's hard for me, it's got to be hard for them too. Yes. So to have somebody who can walk alongside them in that, I think is very important. So thank you for filling that role and for following God's lead in that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is certainly my joy. Sometimes I wonder if I'm making, you know, making any difference in that, but you know, you leave that up to the Lord. Yeah, so, exactly. Anyway. Exactly. And you know, I love Pastor Crichton, you know, he says, we do what we do by God's grace. Mm-hmm. And so I've kind of taken that as my mantra, you know, just, yeah. Yeah, we do what we do by God's grace um, mm-hmm. because we don't certainly deserve what we're, you know, that we get to be a part of ministry and leading in a church, but it is by God's grace. He has allowed us to do this. And so anyway, yeah. I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. 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 As you've started, taking a step back and as you have gone to four days a week, mm-hmm. what have you been doing with your extra time? <laughs> well, it's interesting. I always heard people say when I retired, I don't know how I ever had time to work, <laughs> you know, and I'm kind of, feel, you do, you do fill up your time, yeah. you know, so, but one thing, you know, I, I really like working outside. So mm-hmm. I like to dig in the dirt and plant flowers. And so I like gardening and, you know, I'm not an avid bicycler, but I do like to ride my bicycle. So I'm becoming acquainted with the, all the rail trails around yeah. Lancaster County. And there's a lot of them here. There and so, are. so anyway, I get out when the weather's nice and ride my bicycle. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and then of course, you know, with my, with my grandkids being the age that they are now, we're really involved with them because, you know, we're going to sporting events and, yeah. and taking them to 
soccer practice, you know, and just things that grandparents do. So, you know, before you know it, your, your days are filled up. And the other thing I'm, I'm finding out that as I get older, that my energy level is as great as it used to be. And so like on my day off on Saturday, I used to attack the yard and, you know, and I would just, you know, work for six hours if I had to and cut the grass and do, you know, all the weeding and edging and stuff like that. Well, I'm finding I can't do that anymore. You know, I have to, I have to let that go over a couple of days, you know, Mm so, you know, so then, and just kind of take a slower pace and, you know, come in, take lots of breaks, you know, have a cup of coffee, sit down yeah. for a while. Yeah. 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 What are you planting this spring? Wow. You know what? I don't know what exactly. I haven't decided yet. Okay. We, I have one bed that, that I, we always put begonias out mm-hmm. there and they like that particular part of the yard and they always thrive and they become beautiful and big. So, so probably begonias. The other thing about the bunnies don't like begonias. And oh. so, so yeah, you have to plant in my neighborhood where we have an abundance of bunnies. Okay. So I have to plant things that they don't like that they will right. leave alone. Right. So I learned the hard way that, that some things, you know, they just uh, chew them right down to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so I think begonias and some other stuff, you know, we'll see. Yeah. I can't wait to see the pictures that you always bring in. I'm sure they're going to be beautiful. (laughs) All right. I want to ask you a few rapid fire questions that I didn't prepare you for. So you're going to have to think on your toes here. (laughs) Well, you know that this is not what I do very well thinking on my toes, but all right, go ahead. (laughs) You're going to be great. (laughs) If you could only listen to one song for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh my word, that is a very hard question. <laughs> One song. One song for the rest of your life. Oh, wow. I, I'm i trying to think, would it be a hymn tune? Yeah. Or would it be a classical piece? You know, would it be easy listening? Probably, probably that. It would be some kind of an easy listening okay. song. And I'm like, I don't like... Um, uh, if music that has a lot of notes that come flying at yeah, you, that kind of yeah. gets on my nervous nerves after a while. Uh-huh. So it would probably be something that's more laid back. I can't tell you a tune, but okay. at least uh, that's a genre. It probably sure. something laid back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's good enough. I <laughs> like <right>. that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you an early bird or a night owl? Oh, I am definitely an early bird. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I wake up too early sometimes. This works very well in our household though, because my wife is a night owl. And okay. so when our kids were little, it was great, you yep. know, because she could stay up with them in the night shift and I get up early and take the morning hours. So it worked out great. <laughs> yeah. What time did you come into the office this morning? Probably 6.30. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I bet that's something a lot of people don't know about you is how early you come in some days. I, I do. I like to come in while it's quiet yep. and I can get a lot done and I read and practice piano and you know yeah Yeah. stuff like that yeah for sure (laughs) all right what is the best advice you've ever been given um there was a point in my life when um in ministry I, I was going through a really tough time and I have a godly mother and so as you do you call your mom, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're going through a hard time. So anyway, and I was in North Carolina at the time and she was in Georgia. And so I called her and we were talking and, and just said, I, you know, I told her the situation I was going through. And, um, and she said, she was just very encouraging. She, and she started telling me a story uh, about my life, which I never knew this, Monica, that, that, she and my dad had prayed very specific prayers before I was born, and they they asked God to give them a son who would 
be a musician and use that in the church. And which I never knew this, and they very wisely never told me wow. um, that. And so, I mean, I wondered their excitement as they saw this developing in my life over the years. Right. And so, anyway, I, I was thinking, well, Mom, I think I'm just getting out of ministry. This is just, I, I, you know, it's just difficult, and I think maybe I need to do something else. Mm-hmm. And so she, she told me that story, mm-hmm. and she said it may be that God is calling you to do something else. But she said, I, I really think you need to think hard about it. I think you need to pray about it. And maybe you're just going through a discouraging time right mm. now. And as it turned out, that's really what it was. Yeah. And so, But it was a pivotal, pivotal point in my life because I was really at a crossroads. Am I going to continue on this path? Right. And even though I felt, you know, God's call in my life, and I said, I mean, I felt that that's what he wanted me to do, but this dis- discouragement had set in to the point where I didn't think I could go on. So wow. I think, you know, when I look back on my life as a whole, that's probably one of the best conversations I had and the piece of advice, you know, that you know, you just need to ask God what he thinks about this. You mm-hmm. know, maybe maybe you're just going through a tough time right now. Yeah. And so anyway, yeah. Oh, what wise words from your mom. Yeah. Yeah. And I have many letters that she wrote me and that are just oh. full of scripture verses and encouragement and things along, you know, to help me along the way. So, oh, that's so uh, she's with the Lord now. But anyway, it was, you know, she was a great mom and just, you know, I think so fondly of her and yeah. I appreciate her godly character and her prayers for me and her guidance through the years. And then particularly when I didn't have a dad, you know, and to think that she went through it herself, you know, so when my dad died, I was 16, my sister was 13 and my brother was 10. Wow. And so that's a a lot to deal with and to be a widow, you know, and then I have an older brother that was in the Navy at the time, so he wasn't home. So, so I kind of ended up being like the oldest child, you know, even though I wasn't, but I I kind of took on that role in the household. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm excited for this question. Would you rather have a fully stocked snack bar or a limitless coffee machine? Uh, I think I have to have a coffee machine. <laughs> I thought maybe you would say that. <laughs> you know me too well. I do, but I, I know that snacks are a big thing too. And you you stock our kitchen on Sunday mornings and you always bring in the best snacks. And so I just wasn't sure how you were going to answer. <laughs> yeah, well, I certainly... I certainly love snacks, and you know that. So, <laughs> yes. And you have to have something to go with your coffee. It's true. Right. But if push comes to shove, it's got to be coffee. Yep. I agree. <laughs> okay. If you could bring back any past fashion trend that's gone away, what would it be? Well, I can tell you what it wouldn't be. Okay. And that would be the 70s. Oh, boy. <laughs> I lived through that. You know, the big bell-bottom pants and flowery shirts and long pointy collars and ties that were wide enough to eat dinner on. You know, I mean, it's, it was, it was, and then the ladies fashions, you know, were not really all that great either. Right. And the color palettes were bad. So anyway, not there. Let's not go to the seventies. I, you know, I really like Victorian. Oh, you know, I, I like that you know, that style and, you know, something top hats, mm-hmm. long tail coats, you know, I kind of know, maybe I just like it on, on TV. I, maybe I wouldn't really want to wear it, but anyway, I like watching it anyway. All those British time pieces that yes. you and Vicki watch. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's right. <laughs> it's a very classic look though. That's right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, this is my very last question for you. 
How does your work at Calvary Church help people to take their next steps as they pursue life in Christ? Well, I think, Monica, the, the, the main thing for me is, is working with people. Mm. You know, I, you, have, you have to have programming and you have to have all the trappings that go with that, you yeah. know, and I'm certainly thankful that we have lighting and sound systems and microphones and, you know, all of that. But really, in, when, it, when all that is stripped away, it really comes down, ministry is about people. Yeah. And, and so I think through the years, my relationships that I've developed with people and walking life with them, it's certainly been the most meaningful to me on a personal level. And by, you know, God's grace, I, I uh, trust that, that he's used the, the amount of time that I've spent pouring into the lives of other people to yeah. help them grow. And, you know, just, you know, you, you live life from day to day and moment to moment. And so a lot of times you're not even aware if you're doing anything, right. you know, until you have, like I do, where you have, you know, lots of years behind you and you turn around and look and see where you've come from. Mm -hmm. And then you start to see relationships that have come into your life where your, yeah. your path has crossed one another and, and realize, wow, that, you know, that was really a meaningful, a meaningful relationship. And I didn't even know it at the time. Mm -hmm. But, and so I, yeah, I, I I think it's investing in people, and I you know I I love the musical part obviously of what I do because I wouldn't have done it all these all these years if I didn't. So right. I I love working with the choir and working with our with our orchestra members. And for me, I mean, honestly, when I'm when I'm directing choir and orchestra and everything, when everybody is clicking, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and we're kind of in our zone and like we were at Christmas time, for instance, you yeah. know, it's, there's just nothing that's um, as rewarding and fulfilling to me as that. I, I absolutely love that. And to be able to do that in a church setting and it's, it's an encouragement to the congregation and to the glory of God. Yeah. And so for a Christian musician, I mean, it just, it just doesn't get much better than that. So I'm yeah. so thankful for, you know, the opportunity to be able to lead people in worship and to work with musicians and not just musically, but to be able to work with them in their, their stages of life that they're going through difficulties that they're going through and yeah. to just be there, you know, to minister. And, and in these days, you know, because I've been at Calvary so long, I'm being more and more involved in funerals than I ever have before. Yeah. It used to be weddings, you know, when, yep. we, when Mickey and I were young, you know, we were doing all the weddings and everything, but now this stage of life and it, I've been here for so long that I really know families well. Mm -hmm. And they, even though maybe they've never had a conversation with me, but because they saw me on the platform for 25 years, yep. they kind of feel that they know me in some way. And yep. so for me to be able to meet with them, hear their story, get to know their loved ones and to be able to minister to them at a time like that, that's just very meaningful to me too. So, yeah. 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 Uh, well, John, you are loved and appreciated by many, myself included. So well, thank you, Monica. Thank you for your many years of faithful service to Calvary Church and to the lives of the people here. And we're looking forward to what God has next for you as you finish well. Yeah. Thank so. you, Monica. It's been a delight to be with you today. 
Yeah, thanks for this. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you. John's story is yet another example that God weaves together the details of our lives and is working for our good and His glory. We're looking forward to continuing to share stories of life change with you. Make sure to click that follow button so you don't miss any new episodes of the Pursuing Life podcast. And we'll be back here next Monday as we continue in our This Is My Story series with Jim Lines. Have a great week.